Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here on a tape review podcast, Logan. And um, boy, this is this was not fun to watch. No, it wasn't. It wasn't fun to watch. I mean, and I think it's one of these things where like the tape is very illuminating. I think we talked about on the post game pod, like how we had a kind of all these big feelings and how the plan wasn't good. And then like, when you watch the tape, you're like, man, they, they did try some things. They had a lot of quick game, a lot of seven man pro, a lot of things that would, you would think would help kind of accommodate some of the stuff that the giants were going to bring. And it should have accommodated what the giants were going to bring. Missed a couple throws from Sam, uh, especially in the first quarter, uh, first, first half really. And then you kind of look through and you say, dang if you're the oc like that's got to be really really frustrating because it's like kind of everyone's making a mistake on every single play but kind of alternating who's doing it and you might have yeah 10 guys doing the right thing and then one guy does the wrong thing or whatever it is and so um you know like i think some of ron's kind of frustration the pressure kind of is makes more sense after watching the tape because you're like we had a plan it was a good plan and i would agree with that like all the things that you would kind of check the box of minus one thing that i think we'll talk about a little bit later um you're like that's in there and that's what i would have done like if i'm the oc like that's i would have done something approximating that and i think um it, it comes down to really um just a general a general lack of execution and everyone kind of took turns doing it and i think offensively at least that's the really frustrating thing about this game and then i think you look at defense and you're like I don't know what you thought, but it was really good. Like I have to pull clips for shows, right? I go through and I pull clips and I finished pulling clips of, of about 68 snaps with probably 30 plays where I was like, this is really good defensive football. And outside of probably two drives, like they did a lot of good stuff. The playmakers came to play. Payne, Allen had some explosive plays. Chase had a couple sacks. Montez showed up. John Ridgeway had a good game. St. Juice had a good game. And you're just like, gosh, like, they played well enough definitively to, win. to yeah. win the game. So it really comes down to the offense and, and just general lack of execution. So Yeah, so w- I want to do this a little bit backwards from how we usually do it. Normally, we go high-level thoughts, and then we dive into the details. I want to circle back to high-level thoughts at the end. Like I want, okay. I want to flush out some of the details and then come back to kind of this core question of, like, was the plan good? Um, because I think once we dive into the details, like it actually, as opposed to being hypothetical about it and and not having like that illumination for the audience, um, for the listeners, like let's, let's dive into some of this detail 
and then we can circle back to why you think the plan was good. You know, I think we can talk about optimization, like, you sure, know, is it yeah. optimal versus good versus like whatever. But the other thing I do want to note on a high level, um, and this is in part in taking in the reaction to my radio show yesterday is people need to understand fans need to understand. We need to remind ourselves that multiple things can be true at once. Like, something can be the the biggest cause of a particular outcome like the sure. biggest reason why they lost is player a didn't execute very well but that doesn't mean that everyone else is off the hook right yeah. mm -hmm. you're gonna have mistakes and from multiple places you could say like hey this was should have been something that worked but it didn't and maybe the coaches should have adjusted faster or gotten away from like all these things can happen at once and the rush to pin every single loss on one person for simplicity is not helping anyone. Um, sure. I don't, I don't, maybe it makes people feel better because then there's one scapegoat and it feels like, well, if he does it again, then it's his head on the platter and we fix all our problems. Guess what? It won't. It won't fix all your problems yeah. because other people are actually making mistakes. So what we do is we go back, we look at the tape. There's a reason that you do it. You see stuff that you just don't really see live. It's a colder analysis in terms of the emotions where you like really hone in on like this is what happened in the game um i do think that some of that emotional stuff you know and getting caught up in the moment is important to remember because it yeah. helps inform what happened but at the end of the day like there's a reason that they say the film doesn't lie and that's why we do this podcast and you know when we say one thing went wrong that's not us absolving other people of mistakes um it's just to say that that particular thing went wrong on that play in this game right. whatever all right so with that said um I, I think when we were talking yesterday offline, like the big thing is obviously Sam. Um, now the yeah. O-line is going to have, we're going to get to the, now before everyone screams, we're going to get to the O-line in a second because the O-line also had its worst game of the season. Um, yeah. But Sam also really held this offense back yesterday, which is funny because we do a, a segment on the radio show called Overreaction Tuesday. And mm. of course it's featuring Linnell. And Linnell <laughs> last week said Sam is holding the offense back. And I was like, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that wording. Like, yeah, yeah. he is because he's a young player, but like X, Y, Z, why I don't love that wording. And he got crushed. Linnell did. Week, yeah, of course, because people were like, how can you say that about Sam? Um, the O-line this, the EB that. And it's like everyone just wants Sam to be perfect. But at the end of the day, like an NFL quarterback's got a quarterback. And um, Sam didn't quarterback very well on Sunday. Yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't quarterback very well. And I think, you know, there's, and it's not like, to me, it's not Sam letting the offense down. I think Sam could definitely be more efficient, but I, I don't know. I just look at him like, you know, the first play of the game, like it, it's, if you just go by drives, right. And it, to me, it's, I hate like this kind of wording that Sam let the offense down. Cause like yeah. everybody had a part in letting the offense down, you know, right. like, and things compile, right? Like, I yeah. think there is something to Sam getting shell shocked at some point, and which is the first time I think I've seen that from him where you look in his eyes and you're like, that is a scared quarterback as opposed Ooh. to the composure that he played with for most of the year. So like these, these factors co-mingle, but a lot of it, I think starts with an inefficiency and inaccuracy and misreads from how. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just start like the first, first, first series, right. You have yep. a sack on second and nine, it gets you a third and 22. Like that isn't really on Sam. Like I think, um, you know, Dexter Lawrence has a great rush on, on Nick Gates and Nick Gates. This is probably one of his worst games of the year. And he'll probably tell you the same thing. And I love Nick Gates. He plays hard. He plays with the right intent. 
But like, that's tough, you know, like it's third and 22 under any situation is incorrect, you know? Then you get right. to the next series, and we're going to talk about this one more. We talked about this more on take five, but you throw the stick route, right? And you, it's, it's not stick. It's basically hitches on one side and stick on the other side. And you overthrow a hitch with off coverage at 10 yards. That isn't going to be a first down, but it's probably going to be a second and two. And then you run the ball, good run on by Chris Rodriguez. And then you have another incompletion on a man coverage on third and six. And that one is really kind of interesting to me because I don't hate the decision to throw the ball to Jahan Dotson on that crossing route because it's like coming into your vision, but the ball's way behind, right? It's way behind the receiver. So if you're going to make that throw, put it out in front. And also in that situation, you have Terry in a one-on-one man situation and he wins pretty demonstrably. So again, I don't know what the progression is. I don't know what the read is, but I'm kind of like, can we get the ball to Terry a little bit quicker there? Maybe potentially get him started earlier. I like the matchup. Yeah, and that's one of the big criticisms that fans has. Like, how can Terry not be involved more? And it's like, well, sometimes it's because Sam chose to go somewhere else against man coverage, yeah. and the Giants played a lot of man coverage. 100%. And then uh, next next series, right? You're in what I would call a 65 protection. So you, tight end stays in, back stays in, seven-man pro, everyone's picked up. Great completion to um, to Curtis Samuel on the on the, what I would call lightning. So like a kind of a hitch, or it's like a deeper hitch. So great yep. job, right? Next play, we get an empty. Awesome. Love this decision. Let's you see that it's man coverage. They're, they check to a pressure. Who cares? Leno's a little bit in between. Um, I would say he should probably squeeze it. There's a guy in his inside gap. Squeeze that. Leave the end for Sam. Bates is on a snag route. Um, balls out. Bates is wide open. Overthrow, probably because the pressure's in Sam's face. And Bates maybe takes a tick too long on the route. And that's one of the things about this defense, I think that Wink Martindale presents is like, you can work through this stuff all week in practice. We can work that zero check. We can work the pressure looks. We can work the squeezes, but they're a little bit better at it. It's a little bit faster. So you, like, it's a little off, right? Sam misses the throw. Bates is maybe a little long. Leno's got to squeeze a little bit quicker. All those things are true on that play, but it leads to an incomplete pass that is, that's ineffective. That's, that's ineffective football, right? So instead of being in a manageable down and distance, right? Now you're in third and four. So great. Third and four ends up being a sack, right? And that's the one where they have the mental mistake with Sadiq and uh, and uh, Nick Gates, right? Sadiq's trying to help out on Dexter Lawrence, trying to double team the best player on the defense. Gets a little overzealous. They're running a TT inside. So Dexter Lawrence is stunting to the left. Uh, Leonard Williams is stunting, looping around Dexter Lawrence and basically gets a free run up at the A-gap. So in that sequence, there was nine or there was um, that's 10 plays. How many mental mistakes did I just describe? How many physical mistakes did I just describe? Not only by the offensive line, but by Sam in terms of missing throws and maybe missing reads. I don't know for sure. But that is that I think there's one more drive, one more drive in the first quarter. Like there's yeah, no, that's it. That's the first quarter right there. That is the first quarter. Those 10 plays are the first quarter, or maybe 12 plays. And to me, that's that that encapsulates the offensive inefficiency. So I like there's quick game in there. There's max protection. There's empty to identify rushers. Love all of those things. We don't execute. And right. and it's not one person's fault. But in terms of things that we had talked about in the week, we had talked about, yeah, let's leave guys in in protection. Let's find a quick game. Let's let's get an empty. Let him find his best matchup. Let's do those things. And, and we don't hit it. And the sack on third and six comes off a four-man rush. Like, it's not even like they're bringing crazy right. Wink Martindale pressure. Like, the thi- that's one of the things that blew my mind about watching this film is you go back and you're like, 
they got a sack with a six-man pressure against seven-man protection or a four-man pressure against a five-man. Like, they were often minus one on rushers versus uh, protectors and getting sacks or pressure. Yeah. Like, that's, well, obviously that's not, not always, but yeah. but Not was, always, but like yeah. multiple times in the game. Like, right. I think half the sacks are like that, mm -hmm. um, at least. So it, it's the kind of thing where you then talk about, okay, well, why is that happening? Some of that does wind up reflecting on Sam as the guy who's calling and identifying the protections. And there's like one where he should have slid the line. Like, it's pretty obvious, uh, the, the, the Pinnock sack, uh, when 27 comes off the edge. And it's like, yeah. that's not a man-to-man -man defender over there. There's no man yeah. for him to defend. No like, man. that dude's blitzing. Right. How is he? How does he wind up not getting identified as a potential blitzer and like, yes, Sam has no time to get that throw off. There's nothing he could have done post-snap, but there's something he could have done pre-snap. I do think also, and again, I'm not, I know how this is going to come off. I already can hear the comments of like people saying, oh, you just put it, I want to put it on Sam. Like when Gates loses quickly, that's on right. Nick Gates. Right. But could Sam manipulate the pocket a little bit? Like there is a little bit of room to slide. Yeah. And so like there's things like that where we've talked about prior to this game, prior to when we knew this was going to be an issue, one of the areas where Sam needs to grow dramatically if he's going to have a long, successful career is his ability to move within the pocket. That, you know, when when pressure comes and you just turtle up, like, it's better than a turnover. Um, but can you find ways to move within the pocket? Because sometimes there is space. And so, you know, quick losses, it's really hard. But you just go, oh, God, I'm dead. Um, but there are times where you, you wonder if, like, if, if we're going to say, can this guy become an elite quarterback? An elite quarterback evades the sack and is able to move within the pocket. So, like, again, layers, levels, nuance, all of this kind of stuff. Ultimately, like, whose fault is it? Yeah, it's Nick Gates' fault for losing immediately to Dexter Lawrence. Right. Um, and that happens because he's Dexter Lawrence. Um, but also, some of these sacks come on second and third and long, where if Sam makes the, the easy throw to Curtis on first down, you're not in that situation in the first place. Yeah, and it, it is like a it's a combination of errors. Like I just was looking ahead to to my drive recap and the next drive, like it's they're trying to run a sprint to the left, right? Trying to run a sprint to the left, and Logan Thomas blocks the wrong guy. He blocks the guy that has him in man in, in man coverage as opposed as opposed to the rusher. Like I've, I'm a tight end, I've been in that situation before. I've probably made that same mistake, right? So not it happens, but like that's something like if you block the right guy, you're to the perimeter. Sam has more time to kind of stress the throw. And instead of throwing an incompletion to Terry, which might have been a PI, um, you can kind of let that let that marinate a little bit more and hit Jahan Dotson, who is wide open on the corner, right? Okay. And then you just mentioned the sack where you miss ID. Like this is tough to me. That that's a tough miss ID, and it doesn't happen all the time. But again, this is the 15th play of the game, and we've had like eight mental mistakes or physical mistakes. It's just not good football. So we've got a – it looks like they're going to bring an all-out pressure. They're leaving a tight end in to the offensive left, backs into the offensive left, okay? that there It is very clear, based on the allocation of offensive players, that number 27 is going to come free on this. Like, he's, he's the guy. So why is the slide not going to the offensive right? They slide to the offensive left. They book that guy. They book 27. When in my mind, you have a back and a tight end, the back and account for the linebacker, we need to slide to that guy, leave the tight end alone on the defensive end, and everyone's accounted for. And so right. I don't know what the – we don't know the rules there. Like we don't know what kind of protection call they're in because I think that's something fans need to understand is there are probably 10 to 15 protection calls and they all have different rules versus different looks. But I'm just saying if, if that's Matt Ryan – 
he's going up there and saying, hey, man, we're going full slide right. Tight end, be a man here. Block this guy for three seconds. I'm going to get the ball out. And I don't know where Sam is in terms of that progression. But think about that. 15 plays. And of the plays I've just described, all of those are what I would characterize as, as, as losing football. Like you can't win with that level of execution mentally, physically. Right. And it's not like the guys, and I want, I don't make it very clear. It's not like the guys are not trying, they're right. trying very hard. They're just not always doing the right thing. Like the throw to Curtis is to maybe, maybe to me encapsulates this game more than anything where he misses them high and outside on the, on the little hitch route. It's like right read protections. Good routes. Good footworks. Good ball sails up and out. And it's like a lot of good there. But the result of the play is a negative. And it's like, and that's that was that was the first half, really. And a lot of this, a lot of the third quarter was just they couldn't execute at a level to compete with the Giants on a down in, down out basis. And some of it's on Sam, some of it's on the O line, some of it's on the receivers. Like there was one where and some of it's on the officials. Like there's one where uh Jahan runs a great route, runs like a comeback, and the and the DB, I don't know what the ref's looking at, just literally grabs him around the waist. And I'm like, that is holding at a minimum probably defensive pass interference. So there was, and Terry had one, and, and the refs kind of yeah. seemed very content to let those guys play ball in the perimeter. And the, that's the good. intentional grounding call on Sam is horrible. Like, it's he's clearly throwing it to where Robinson is going, and then Robinson stops. That's not intentional grounding. And usually they're pretty like Matt. Matt Ryan said this on the broadcast. He's like, yeah. usually they're pretty liberal with that. Like, I like Kyle used to have a thing like if if the quarterback throws the ball, even if it's out of bounds, like sprint like to the football and act like you were going to catch it, and they usually right. give it to you. And B Rob's right there, and so I thought I was a little surprised, honestly, that they gave him that that they that they called that on him. And again, right. like the, that's you know the, to me the refs like people want to complain about the refs. They're like the weather, right? And like everyone's playing in bad weather. We had we we benefited from some aggressive, what I would call aggressive defensive back play by Benjamin St. Juice in that game. And we'll talk about Benjamin St. Juice in a minute, but he had maybe the, the best game I've seen him play. Like he was just on one in terms of coverage and tight coverage. But again, he's a handsy guy. They didn't call some stuff. And but and that was how they were calling the game. So I don't want to say that that was a thing, but in terms of offensive production, that's definitely going to mitigate effectiveness, you know. And Terry had that one that I just described on the uh on the sprint where the guy literally grabs and pulls him, Terry's off about on the, the left sideline, the, yeah, the kind of deepish one. Yeah, yeah. He grabs and pulls him. Terry's a little off balance and the ball hits him in the chest. But I'm like that that's a hold, you know, like if I'm an yeah. offensive player, I'm like looking at the ref, like what the heck are we doing here? Especially if I'm Terry, I'm going to get up and be pretty demonstrative about it. But like I said, goes both ways. So there's a lot of that stuff in this game. And, um, and if I'm, if I, if I'm putting myself in the offensive coordinator's shoes, like I'm ridiculously frustrated because some of that stuff, like some of that is, is, is New York doing a good job and, and forcing us in errors and creating complicated looks. But some of those are unforced errors, man. That's, that's us not owning right. the game plan the way we need to own it. So. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So that takes us to kind of that circle out, zoom out, big picture kind of thought, which gets us back to EB. And I think that there are a couple of things he could have done. Like, let's take what you said at face value, right? If they just execute, this is a good plan. It's it's fine. Um, you got quick game. You've got max pro. Like, you've got the stuff that you would think. To me, there are kind of... Like, go even, ahead, the inter- yeah. even, even the interception... Like, I know they get a little pressure up the middle, but, like, that that play is open. Like, that's what you, right. as a coordinator... I actually do think that ball gets tipped. Um, I hope the, it gets tipped. I hope yeah, it gets tipped. I think, I think there's a little bit of a tip on that that slows the ball down and allows it to get picked off. But I still, hope so. like, it's there. I know. And so, like, that's one of those things where, again, with Kyle, Sean, Jay, um, name your coordinator that I was with, like, they'd come in on Monday and be like, look at this. And you, as an offensive player, like it's there. Like, and I didn't do what I'm supposed to do. I didn't, I didn't get the block on the defensive end, or I didn't get my hat in the right spot, or I didn't run the clear route correctly. And it's there. And so, I think that's the fresh. That offensive film was very frustrating because I think the effort was there, which is good, but the execution was was not there. Like I thought, th- I thought this is Jahan's best game that I've seen in a couple of weeks, just from a route running standpoint. You know, like he was creating separation, getting open, finding grass, running hard. And then, you know, like he has the drop on fourth down. And I'm like, what? You know, he has. And and that's the thing that's so frustrating about it. It's so frustrating. Like, it's just everyone's trying, but the execution just was lacking at key moments in the game. And and that's that's hard as a that's hard as a fan of good offensive football. And that's hard as a fan of the team. And it's hard. It's hard as a fan of the guys. Like, I'm rooting for these guys. I want yeah. them to do well. And it just just it wasn't there and i've been and again i've been in games like that i've been that guy like i think back to the um dallas cowboys game on thanksgiving in 2012 like i had i gave up a sack i had two drops on the first drive of the game and i was like oh my god and then robert bailed your butt out (laughs) yeah no it was great it was awesome so yeah who cares but thanks rg but that's what I'm saying. It's like I've we've we've all been there. It's just yeah. really frustrating that it seemed like it happened in this context. So So what I was gonna say is that with that being the case, right? Where you're if you're a player, you're like, damn it, like it's all there for us. We just have to pick up this blitz. We have to make that throw. We have to make that catch. If I'm E B and I'm questioning myself, like what could I have done to help the results, right? Because right. at the end of the day, this is a results business. It's not a process business. We depend a lot of time on process because if you have a good process, and, and I'm going to use the word, if you have an optimized process, you're going to get the best results. That's the nature of, of process. Um, but if even if you have a good plan, I think sometimes you have to look and be like, why isn't this plan working? Right. And that's where that? I think in the second half, like he makes a couple of changes, a couple of tweaks, and then there's one big thing that they're not doing that I think we both agree would have been tremendously helpful. That thing is the screen game. Um, to to never weaponize the Giants' aggressiveness against them, I think, is a massive mistake because it allows it to continue to be a strength for them. You miss the opportunities for big plays, and it makes it. Do, it they never question 
should we keep coming? I mean, Wink Martindale had this incredible quote that Andrew Catalan uh, mentioned on the broadcast, which is he told the CBS crew, we're going to pressure Sam Howell as much as is legally possible. <laughs> quote, quote unquote from Wink Martindale uh, via the CBS broadcast. And if That's I'm an offensive quote. coordinator, I go, come on, buddy. Are we just yeah. going to dump the ball up over your head and let Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, who, by the way, was a complete non-factor in the game, not his, not his fault. Um, they couldn't get him the ball. Um, you know, there's some check down stuff where he's open and it's probably making plays in space if Sam can get it to him, but he takes, he, he gets sacked because there's quick, quick losses, quick pressures, um, and all the things that we talked about. So like I, the, the lack of the screen game, both receiver and running back screens, tight end screens, whatever you want to run is, is to me a big miss. But I think also at some point you have to say this drop back stuff, even though it should be working is not. Let's get to these rollouts. Let's get to this stuff quicker. Um, and let, you know, obviously they they go to running the football a little bit more from under center. I think that's something we should talk about as well. But like they eventually make those changes and they start being more productive. It doesn't end in points uh, as they only wind up with seven. Uh, and that's on a short field. But like the last two drives are a combined 25 plays. And if those happen within the context yeah. over, the, over the course of four quarters, the score line looks very different because the, some of those drives are going to get finished. You kick a couple of field goals. Etc. So that's that's kind of where I, I if I if I'm giving an evaluation of EB with the benefit of hindsight, the plan was way better than I thought it was. It was not optimal, and I think you know there were there were clear and easy ways to make it more optimal. Sure. And the other thing I want to point out is there was a bunch of penalties in this game that kind of yes. derailed offensive drives too. Yes. So that was another factor. Um, and let's so let's 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 double click on this a little bit. And this is just an interesting thought experiment for me because, like, I'm always like, yeah, that makes sense, run screens, and you know, it, but why not? Why didn't they do it? And one of sure. the things that comes to mind, um, just having dealt with different offensive personnel and and kind of game planning for a quarterback at the high school level, is if you're bringing a ton of pressure with a short quarterback, screens can sometimes not be great because they can't see the throw. So that right. would be one thing that maybe he was concerned about potentially is that like we want to run more screens, but if we're getting in these, you know, six man overload pressures and the backs getting to that side, Sam's going to have to put air on it over the top in a guy in a back that's got man coverage and you're kind of putting the ball up for grabs. Maybe. maybe and, I, and again, that's totally that's a possible reason why they didn't want to do that. Also. The dropback stuff, I think, uh, especially in the first half, like there were some opportunities to get the ball down the field. Another way to get a team to stop the blitz, obviously the screen is one game, rollouts is another, but finding explosive plays. And I think yeah. that's something that was a little disappointing as I felt like there were a couple opportunities to kind of... Well, I was going to ask, because like Kime talked about that on his podcast, and that was after they talked to Terry in the locker room. It seemed like Terry thought, and, and thus John thought, that there were opportunities to kind of do what the the Giants did with with Hyatt on St. Juice, yeah. where it's like one, two, ball out, downfield on the go route. Like, were those things called and not thrown, or were they not called? Well, I look I look at, like, what was it, the third play of the game? I think we talked about it on take five. It's like, that's the one that most is most obvious to me. The sixth play of the game is... Yeah, when he throws it, to Jahan a short... Yes, he throws behind Jahan, like Terry definitively wins and he wins quickly and i don't know the read so i can't be like you know that's wrong sam but in that kind of zero look where everybody's manned up and there's a post safety in the middle of the field it's like i just want to pick my best matchup and you know maybe he felt it was jahan and i don't fault the i don't fault the decision but i'm also like terry's there too terry wins yeah. quickly he wins Good versus, versus optimal 
and he's matched up against the nickel. So it's like I understand if he's matched up against Banks, who had a pretty good game and is a very physical corner on the outside, but he's matched up on the nickel. So like let's let's that seems like the matchup I want. And maybe that's that's playing chess and, and Sam's just playing checkers right now because he's still kind of figuring stuff out. But that's one that I would kind of look at. And and I and also I've never met a receiver in my whole career that doesn't want to throw the ball deep. Never in my entire life. So like every every receiver I know is like, we gotta throw the ball deep. And I understand that, but also receivers, God bless their souls. They have no conception of like what pass protection is and how hard that is to do. So I'm also like, yeah, like let's get the ball deep. Which well, in, in is fairness I'm to you. Terry, just to complete his comments real quick, he's talking yeah. about like these fades, right? Where it's one, yes. two, and out. And they got to it in the second half, and I'm yeah. with it. In the first half, I didn't see that, but I'm also like there were a ton of opportunities that in the context of the offense that was called that would have hit for explosive, for explosive plays um, that were not executed. And whether that was sacks or miss incomplete ball, whatever it is. So I'm also kind of like it. That's the thing that's really hard about this game also is yes, there's all these solutions that could have happened, but if you would have just done what you're supposed to do, you're probably much more efficient offensively in the first half. So that's the thing where I kind of get in between on that. Yes. I agree with Terry. Like you want to get him the ball more. He's one of the best players on the field. How can we make that happen? But I'm also like, if you make this block and throw this ball, like that's a 25 yard gain and everyone like no one even bats an eye about the, the offensive production in the first half. Now you can, you go back to your comments about, is that optimal? But I've never been <clears throat> a part of a game plan. That's perfectly optimal. Like there's been 80% game plans or sure, you know, 85% game plans, but I actually don't feel like some of those were bad looks just in watching the film, which is the thing that I kind of go back and forth on you know with, yeah with it's hard because like it works it works on paper like the question though is like does it work in reality like can your yeah. guys ultimately execute that thing that works on paper like you draw it up against this cover oh we got the look we got this but if your guys can't do it then like it doesn't really matter and oh yeah I'm with it's it. it's it's tough and because is is a play caller you want to give your guys these chances to say like hey i got this thing that on paper gonna kill it if you can just, if you give me this one block, we got 25 yards. And then how many times in a row, like how many times does it take before you go, hey man, all right, uh, that guy's not going to give me that block. I got to go something else. I as far as Terry. Point out too real quick. We'll get back to yeah. Terry. Just like as a play caller, right? I think they went, they went like three and out like five times in the first half. And yeah, I, which think is impossible. It can, I think it can be challenging to make that adjustment to be like, oh, we are, this is not working. It's like, oh, well, like I, I, if I'm the play call, I just do what we just did. I'm like, oh, we missed the, we missed the hitch. Like, we'll come back to that. We got it, you know? Right. Or, and hey, they we, hit the hitch on the next drive. First yeah, and 10. Like, it's literally like, the next, the next drive on the other side. You're like, great. Okay. And then you get, and then you're in a sequence. You're like, okay, we're going to get to this empty play, which was great all week in practice. It looked good. And we get a little bit of a mental mistake by the tackle. Maybe baits a little long, missed the throw. And you're like, God dang it. And we're in third and six. And we have another mental mistake. So you're like, cool. Like what, what right. about like, how, what am I supposed to adjust as the play caller there? When of the, th of the four plays I just called, there were mental mistakes on three of them. It's like, everything was as we thought it would be. We just didn't execute the way we wanted to. And some of those aren't even like physical losses or just like detail and stuff up. So I, again, like, yes, you'd like him to make some of these adjustments earlier. You'd like him to find ways to get people the ball early, but when the game flow is like that, and when there's so much, stuff happening around the offense you're kind of like we 
like I'm sure they came in at halftime and said like we are stopping ourselves. We have everything we want. And then they made some adjustments, got some more of the sprint stuff, and they got Terry the football. So, yeah, uh, which is very important. Uh, this from Kimes Twitter page: Since 2020, uh, these are Washington's records when Terry McLaurin has the statistical output that I'm about to read to you. When he has one or fewer catch in the f- catches in the first half, Washington is three and eleven since 2020. When he has four plus catches in the first half, they're seven seven and one. When he has two or fewer targets in the first half. Two and ten, five plus targets, eight, nine, and one has two or three catches, 15 and 12, has three to four targets, 15 and 11. So it seems like, you know, if you force feed him, like it can get a little over the top. It, the, the, there is a bit of a curve. But if he has two to three catches on three to four targets, like that seems to be optimal Terry usage in the first half. I would still take my chances on all these five plus targets, four plus catches numbers where they're around 500. Um, but it's pretty clear, like when you don't get him involved at all, one or fewer catches, three and 11, two or fewer targets, two and 10. Like, yeah, kinda, you've got I, to find a way to get him the football because good, like, and again, I, I know you can, it's almost like the running the football stats on some level yeah. where it's like, oh, if you run the ball 25 plus times, it's like, well, yeah, teams that do that are up in the game. So they tend to rush the ball more late, but these are first half stats. And it's pretty clear that like when you get him the ball, good things happen because he makes good things happen and he will help you win the football game. So I would force feed him touches. I kind of wonder if that's like spuriously correlated to like offensive efficiency, you know, like if, if you're on the field more, he gets more touches, like he gets more opportunities. So like, that's really more of an indicator of just like good offensive production as opposed to him making plays. The yeah, thing I would that just I would, say that like good that, offensive production comes from getting Terry McLaurin in the football. Like so I, I, it's a chicken and egg thing, and I would say Terry is the one that comes first. So yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I think um, again, I, this is something that like this is where my like analytics brain goes. I'm like I would need to see more information. That stat in isolation doesn't do it for me. Like if Terry gets an explosive play in the first half, like are we more likely to win? Probably, but if anybody's gets a, a more an explosive sure. play in the first. It's just so. I, yes, should Terry get the ball more? He's your best player. Absolutely. I think those statistics are somewhat misleading because I do think it's it, it is spuriously correlated. Like if you're if you're possessing the football, converting on third down, he's going to get more opportunities to touch the football. Right. In this game, they were terrible on third down. Terrible on third. One, One for, for fifteen. 15 right? Yeah. You're not sustaining drives. You're not executing at a high level. Like it's hard to distribute the football in a way that's appropriate. Right. So that's kind of what I would say to that statistic. And again, I'm. I'm with you. Terry needs the ball. Get the ball more. But I'm not saying just because we get Terry the football, we're going to win games. I'm saying it's good offensive production that is supplemented by getting Terry the football and distributing the football well. Like I look at games this year that we've won, and Terry hasn't been like a feature in terms of targets necessarily. It's just been good distribution of the football. Sam's been playing good point guard. So um, that's what I would say to that. And again, like I don't know if people are going to be mad about that, but that's just my perspective. And, And I need more... I need more information to make an informed decision on that. Cause one stat like that, I'm kind of like, cool. Like, you know, it's, it, it's like the rushing statistic for me. It's like, yeah, yeah. Run the I, ball mean, I, get, I get what you're saying. I just think that if you want to be more efficient, like prioritizing, getting him the football, cause like this is a guy that but, can create uh, no, a first down out I'll of say, a four yard hitch. I'll say this too. I've been a part of offenses. Like when I was in Chicago and Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey was absent from the offense and he was like our stud at the time. This was like, you know, 2016, he was like, he's coming off like a 1500 yard season, like baller, right? Beast, great 50, 50 guy. 
when he came, like that offense was clicking without him in the offense. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we need to make sure he gets his 10 to 15 touches a game. And the offense just stymied completely because so much of the focus was instead of being on good offensive production and distributing the football and taking advantage of what the defense was giving you, was designed to force him the football. And I do think that it can go the other way. The same thing would happen with Julio. When we'd prioritize get and Julio's a beast. D hop's a beast. But when you prioritize it too much, it yeah. stunts the offense. And I just wanna that to me that's what I'm what I'm kind of pointing out here is yes, you want him involved, but you want him involved in the context of a of a productive offense, of of a of a diverse, well distributed offense. And I think that's what I would push back on. It's not if they just if they target the ball to Terry ten times in the first half, they're not. It doesn't mean they're going to win the football game. One hundred percent. It's got and the numbers in, reflect that. You know, it's got to be in an e- ecosystem of of everybody getting involved and everybody touching the football. Yeah, I mean the, the when they're over five hundred is when he's got two or three catches in the first half on three to four targets. Um, the numbers come back down a little bit if if he's got four plus catches or five plus targets, um, which obviously kind of go together. Um, but I think it's like. You know, hey, if we're going to call that wide receiver screen, we're going to call like some of these game plan touches. Let's call them to Terry. Yeah, find which a way is not, to get him the ball because he's the best guy with the ball. Which has not been a big feature of the offense. You know, it's been more like we've talked about. It. It's been more like we're calling the offense, and um, I think they've moved Terry around the formation a little bit more and tried to find him stuff that they can do. Um, but to me, like Terry's like a true X. Like he he lacks some of the skill set that some of these other like. Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill has where like they can kind of literally put them at the slot. They can put them outside. I don't think Terry has that same exact skill set. So it might be, I, w- I would assume it's a little bit more challenging to kind of find some of those opportunities for him. I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying like it, it, that's something that kind of when I'm watching the film sticks out to me, but I agree. Terry needs the ball more. I'm with that. I just want to make it clear that it's like, it's not yeah, a one. Don't take it to an extreme. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, Last thing I want to talk about real quick for the offense, because um, we've gone obviously predictably long on the offense because well, there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. Um, the run game was not particularly great. Um, it actually wasn't terrible, right. um, but they just didn't have a lot of attempts because that's what happens in a game where you don't ever convert on third down. Um, but Chris Rodriguez was definitely their best runner. Um, I think there's questions about the blocking. It doesn't seem like they get a whole lot of movement. They're also playing a pretty good D line in terms of the interior, but the giants were giving up five, one, a carry going into this game. And I know that that's influenced heavily by the fact that they played Seattle, Miami, and San Francisco. Um, but like what happened in the run game and, and can that slash, should that be a bigger part of their offense moving forward? And I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and you know this, like I come from a very specific offensive perspective when it comes to this stuff. When I watch well-organized, cultivated, diverse run games, like that's what I want to see. That's not how everybody runs their offensive game plan, just to be clear. So when I look at this, like they're running base runs, they're running Wanda, they're running duo, they're running whatever, you know, outside zone from the gun. Like that's what they're running. There's not like they ran a little bit of counter. They ran a little bit of GT, the GT that got blown up in the backfield. Like, let's talk about that for a second. GT is a great play, but if that backside linebacker pressures, like there's nobody there for him and you're going to have a tackle for loss. So that's one of the negatives of running that play. So, um, but what, when you watch again, Kyle, when you watch Miami, when you watch Green Bay, any of these teams like Cleveland, for example, they, you can tell they work hard to make sure that when they call a run, 
that guys have good angles and lines to the second level of the double team. And I do think the offensive line does a pretty good job creating movement. The problem is like when, when we're double teaming to an out leverage player, the double team's just going to be kind of mushy, right? It's just going to mush. And you're, you're asking the the next double team to win demonstrably, but that's going to mush, right? Because of how they've aligned their front. So can I formation? Can I use receivers? Can I find ways to create angles to the second level player that are advantageous to me as, as a running back or a run game coordinator? And I think that's something that um, they don't do because of, of how the offense is cultivated, right? It's cultivated around as, as running the football as a secondary concern to throwing the football from an, and we've talked about why that from an analytics perspective, there is an advantage there. But to me, that's like what you're going to run into when you've got a guy, a group of guys like this on the offensive line, like, and you're asking them to run kind of normal runs, like without any kind of seasoning on them, like this is going to be the result nine times out of 10. Like you, you got to work, work ways to find angles and positions to the second level players. And, um, and that's not always getting done. And that's okay because that's not the priority of the offense. The priority of the offense is to throw the football. And then once you've thrown the football effectively, it opens up the run game. And then those angles become more efficient. If you have to hang your hat on it, that's going to be very, very challenging. I, I think, you know, if you don't live and die by it, like Mike Shannon used to say, if you want to run the football, you have to live and die by it. And I think there's a yeah. lot of truth to that. Uh, they are not doing that right now. The last three games, they are a league high. They're second overall this year in terms of skew, um, pass run. Uh, Minnesota is the only team that passes it more. Last three, they are the league leader in that. They are passing the ball 73% of the time. It's a lot. That just seems like, and this, this goes to like a larger question about how this organization has approached everything. They try like it, it just seems like the approach in the offseason and the approach in the regular season are two very different approaches like you come out of last offseason being like we want to run the football more you built a team that theoretically wants to do that with their their personnel and then you go hire an offensive coordinator who we both like a lot uh, in terms of what he's done um and think it was a good hire and it was obviously very exciting at the time um people have started to sour on that because that's what happens when you're under 500 but um you you bring in the guy that's literally the past happiest guy in the league and you make a decision um at the quarterback position which i think a lot of people are excited about sam howell fifth round quarterback but he's you know he's got this one big thing that really held him back in college which is he takes a lot of sacks takes a lot of pressures you don't want to put too much on him because he's young he's a fifth round pick he's in even as a first round pick he's inexperienced and then you go past the ball 73% of the time. And it's just, it speaks to a larger, like global level, I, I don't want to say mistake, but like it, it leads you to just like zooming all the way out and asking these like global level pictures about what they're trying to do offensively and whether they have the right pieces um, in place. And that's, I, I think that you see in a game like this, why those are really valid questions with fairly unsatisfactory answers, because You've got this this team in the Giants that's ripe for the picking. They're one in five. They're they haven't scored an offensive touchdown in three games. They're super pressure happy. And if you just run the football more, um, then maybe you don't expose some of the mistakes that happen, and you don't have a quarterback that winds up by the third quarter looking shell shocked. And you know uh, you don't have to have him identifying all these blitzers. But you made you made this bed in the spring um, with decision makings about personnel and how you want to run your offense and the things that you practice. And you just continue to do your thing and and 
it's not really, unfortunately, I think surprising that it didn't work on Sunday, even if it was maybe a little surprising to the extreme that it didn't work, you know, <sighs> just that kind of this global level, much, yeah. much bigger picture, much bigger than this game. When you look at like that statistic. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when you're like, look at like, I think New York's a really good case study for this, right? Like they're not, yeah. they're not an uber talented football team. <laughs> And they don't do a ton of diverse stuff in the run game. It's more than what Washington does, obviously. But they were perfectly content with being like, we're going to put this game into four-wheel drive. We're going to be very selective about when we find and take our shots. And I think with in a game like this, I think that's kind of what we were expecting them to do. You know, obviously, you're not playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't need to put up 40. So, like, can you manage the game flow in a way that allows you to be in it and competitive? And and to a large extent, the defense did a good job of, of keeping the offense in the game and special teams as well. But I just and and it's so easy, I think, for fans to be like, oh, you got to run the football more. Like it wasn't. I don't know what, what was the yards per carry. Do you have that there, Craig? Uh, I think it's four zero. Um, yeah, they they had seventy six yards on nineteen attempts, four zero per carry. Yeah, four zero per carry, and that, there's a scramble in there and stuff. And I, I yeah, and Sam like, had an eleven a, yard scramble. So running backs, you know, Rodriguez averaged four four, Robinson averaged two nine, Gibson averaged three five. Yeah, so not terrible, but in some in games like this, sometimes you gotta lean into that a little bit more. And then there was a ton of penalties, which again make it really hard to run the football. And second yeah. and ten is a tough down and distance to be in for this offense right now. So, um, and they, and I think EB was pretty good about mixing it up in terms of running on second and ten. But when you're not, when when it's not who you are, it's it's hard to get to it, you know. Yeah. And I and I and I actually think the offensive line does a good job run blocking i think they're pretty physical i think they get after it they got good hat placement they're athletic enough to get to the second level like there's a lot of things to like about what they do from a run blocking standpoint it's just and they've busted big runs because they can get guys to the second level they can move around a little bit and, and also to be fair I, I think the running backs at times b rob and gibson specifically don't always set the front up you know gun runs the timing and the positioning of that back is a little bit different than like from the dot. And I think you're seeing a little bit of kind of, you know, you could see a better efficiency from the running back in terms of maximizing what they're doing in the running game. So um, I don't know, lots of stuff like that. And it just, it's hard, it's hard to kind of say, this is who we are offensively and then shift to something else. Right. So um, as much as I want to say, like they should run the ball more, like I just don't think they will. I don't think they're, they're built that way. And um We'll see as the season goes on. Maybe well, they find I, something. That, that's where, like, I think it's interesting, right? Is from a personnel standpoint, on some level, it is how they're built. Like, they drafted these certain offensive linemen and whatever over the last couple of years with the idea that that's who they were going to be, and then they totally shifted. Yeah. Um. You know, and so like they had a plan with Scott Turner here, and then they bring in EB, and it's like, I mean, last year they, I think they ran the ball more than anybody else in the league. They were almost 50 well, 50 on the year. Well. Um, and this year they're they're so violently the other way and again like to your point at the start here right if they just execute some pretty simple stuff like forget forget even executing it like a hundred percent of the mental mistakes if they cut those in half this is a wildly different game right so it's 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 within this context but then you like zoom out even farther and you're like okay well moving forward how do they deal it well one they don't have to deal with the giants except for one more time this year and like what wink martindale presents is different than everybody else so that's helpful um but also is there a way to make life a little easier for this O-line, make life a little easier for Sam. And like, what are the things this, this would be like the last question I have on the offense. Then we'll, we'll quickly dive into the defense uh, and get out of here. But 
like what are the things that are going to make Sam comfortable so that they can execute at a high level? And that I would say going into this game, I would have thought it was the quick game. Like to EB's credit, yeah. you watch some of the other games where Sam's been good. If they can get a couple of quick completions and get him going, then he starts hitting stuff down the field and like it, it can be pretty magical. Um, he just missed that stuff early in this game. And if you're EB, you're like, son of a gun. Like that was the easy stuff. Now what am I supposed to do? Um, but is it getting him on the move a little bit more earlier in games? Is it letting him run the football a little bit more? Maybe. In games? Like, so, you know, you talk about for you, it was like, let me get that one good block in. And then I feel like I'm in the game for him. Is it running a read option and keeping it and, you know, getting out on the edge and feeling alive? Like what, whatever it is, EB's got to find with Sam and with Tavita, like it's not all on Eric. It's not all on Sam. It's, it's, it's on everybody to find the thing that is going to put Sam in a good spot and, and mentally and physically able to perform and find ways to get to that early in games. And I don't think that they found that yet. Well, I, you mentioned comfort for Sam. I think there's games where you watch me like, man, he looks great. Like yeah. the Philly game looked awesome, you know? And I think the first half of the Eagles, uh, of the Atlanta game looked yeah. great. And it's yeah. them running this offense. And I think one of the issues you see it, you used to see it with the old Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning was there. When you're so reliant on the quarterback position, if he's having even a slightly off day, like you're going to struggle a little bit offensively. And, and I think that's kind of what you saw. Like it wasn't a terrible performance by him, but like he missed throws that he normally makes. And it, hurt the offense and like ultimately that's what it comes down to it's like you you with those incompletions you become way less efficient offensively and then the, i think the problem is you had nothing nothing else to go to because when you're right. throwing the ball 70 percent of the time that guy's got to make 70 percent of the decisions and that was what you see with like new england or with indianapolis like tom brady would have a bad game and bill belichick and and that offensive staff would be like hey man we're gonna run the ball and they could run the ball and they were good at running the ball and it was part of that team's identity. And then Indianapolis would have a bad day or Peyton would have a bad day. And then Indianapolis was screwed because they couldn't do anything else, right? And so I think that's kind of what I'd point to here is they good teams are, are more balanced because even with good quarterbacks, that position is so leveraged. Like they're going to have an off day and you're going to need to like support them in a different way. And I feel like to your point, this was an example where like even when Sam is good and he looks awesome, he's throwing the football well, there's going to be days like this and you need something else to turn to, to kind of, to, to settle them in. And sometimes, and I think for a lot of quarterbacks, it's the running game. So, yeah, uh, that's well said. All right. Uh, that's the offense solid 50 minutes of it. If you're not full yeah. on offense yet. Uh, well, I'm sure that's uh, Yeah. We Check got, out Kyle's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I do go yeah. listen to cakes. We're done with it. <laughs> Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Logan Paulson there. Craig Hoffman here. Let's talk about the defense, Logan. Um, end, end with a little dessert, if you will, uh, yeah. because the defense actually played pretty darn well in this game against an offense that uh, is not very good uh, yeah. and against an offensive line that uh, really struggled uh, to, to block this defensive front. I think the Giants, like we were just talking about, the Giants did a good job of making that not matter as much yeah. in the game. But like that, that's kind of the weird twist of it is like they played well. The Giants had a game plan that made it not matter as much, but still like the defense played well enough to win uh, this game for sure. 
Yeah, I think they had like 60. So I pull, I think I told you this off air or maybe the beginning of the show. We've been talking for a long time. And you um, sure have. And one of the things that stuck out to me is like, I have to pull positive plays. And so usually, like for the offense, you pull, I think it was like maybe nine or 10, not, not a lot, right? And defense, it was like almost 40 plays. And you're like, wow, like this coverage is excellent. Like, look at the guy's eyes here. Look at the rush here. Look at the effort here. Look at. Ridgeway throw the center to the ground and get it on this tackle like wow there's so much good stuff here and they really did a good job and I know there was a like outside of probably one drive and like two explosives like there was not a lot cooking for them and then for them I also think like one of the things I love about the defense is in that red zone series um, when the game's closing out for Deron Payne to get that ball out like talk about making a play for your guy you know making a play for the team and like they were doing that pretty consistently throughout the game and Credit to them. Really a, a great job. I thought the back end played much, much better. St. Juiced was like, that's probably the best I've seen him play. And I know he gave up an explosive play to Hyatt, but like his technique, his reactions, his competitiveness at the catch point, his physicality on like screens and, and run game stuff was next level. Kendall Fuller did a great job being where he's supposed to be. Per- Percy, I thought, did some nice stuff in terms of back end. You know, we talked about that cover two mistake he had against Chicago. There was a quarters look where he's deep and he almost gets the interception. Um, the front, specifically the defensive line, I thought did really well. This might have been John Ridgeway's best game of his career. Played a little bit more. Played about 20, would you say 26 snaps? 24, I think. 24. And then yeah. Allen, I thought, looked way more explosive, penetrating the backfield. Payne had a couple great plays. Um, Chase with the sacks, obviously, in the run game, up and down. Yeah, we'll, you know? we'll talk about that in a second for sure. And then uh, Montez, I thought, did well. And then, you know, like it was just going down the list. You're like, this is this is definitely good enough to win. This is definitely yeah. good enough to win. I thought, and again, they, they look like they found something with the cover two structures they're running. Guys seem to be in much more comfortable, seem to be in better position. Um, and then they do mix in that single high stuff, but they've kind of gotten away from the true man, gotten away from the true match. They did they did a lot. I'm not saying that's not part of what they do, but yeah. you can see they've I think Jack's found something that that everyone's comfortable with. And uh, it was much more fun to watch the defense side of the ball. Let's just say that. Yeah, they also mix it up a little bit. There's one play in particular. I can even say, see it on TV the way uh, St. Juice rotated. I was like, oh, that's there's an invert. I think it was on a third yeah. down. And you're like, yeah. oh, cool. Like, they're mixing it up. They're making it hard for even Tyrod as a veteran who's seen everything to, to take that extra second, figure out what the coverage is. And that can allow the pressure to get home sometimes, that extra half second that extra tick of, of a, a slight twist on a, a basic coverage. Um, that's, that's good stuff. And I think the frustrating thing is like, what took so long? Um, yeah. But uh, this is what Del Rio for better or for worse. This is what Del Rio has been on basically the exact same timeline four years running the right. first five games right. the, from there, like borderline top five unit. And they played really well. Um, you know, I, I think that, the places they get exposed, um, and like this is relative because they gave up 14 points, and really it was just like they were thoroughly dominant outside those drives, except yeah. for the drive where Payne ultimately makes the play, and then mm-hmm. I guess the missed field goal, like they give up a little bit, but even if they that field goal goes in, like 17 should be good enough to win. Um, yeah. if, if your defense gives up 17 a game, you're a top five, top 10 unit in the league, easy. Yeah. Um, so. And it wasn't the perfect, linebacker. It well, was say, good. Yeah, yeah, the linebacker play Barton. So Barton goes out. Mayo yeah. comes in, and all of a sudden he's got to cover, and that's just not his forte. They've got to figure out ways around that if he's going to have to play because you can't not like 
it, it is funny watching Twitter freak out and be like, why is David Mayo covering anyone? It's like, because he's a linebacker and that's yeah. part of the job description. You have to right. find ways to, to get that guy to be in a position to be successful. And they seem to figure it out a little bit more as the game went. And then Jamin had two big, you know, well, I would say one, one big miss um, on the touchdown to Waller. Um, yeah. I don't think he played that particularly well. I mean, and then he got Saquon. Um, yeah. Like the, th the thing is on the touchdown to Waller, this is how I saw it. I'm curious if I'm yeah. correct here. So this is, I'm going to put my, I'm going to take a risk and put my football knowledge out there. His job, it's, it's, it looks like it's two. Like he's it's dropping Tampa with two. that. It's Tampa yeah. Two, yep. yeah he, he's dropping as the Tampa player in the middle of the field. He's trying to make sure that Darren Waller doesn't cut back across his face. The problem is he's not close enough to Darren Waller's face himself. Like there's, he just leaves too much space. So like it's good leverage. He keeps Waller kind of in a, in a box, but it's too big of a box and Tyrod's able to, to squeeze a throw in there. And if you're, if you just play that a little bit closer, like you've correctly identified the threat, you've correctly been on the right side of it in terms of leverage. You just need to make sure that you're in position to make a play. And so it comes down to like when Ron talks about technique, like play the technique a little bit better and you're fine there. That's, yeah. that's the way I saw it. And that's, and that's a tough matchup, you know, like, yeah, that, I mean, like in Tampa too, like that's what you're looking for, getting your stud. Like we used to, when I was in Atlanta, they'd run that with Julio and they, you know, you press the mic, he gets a little wide and then you throw a back shoulder ball. And like, if you've got good chemistry between the two, Matt Ryan and Julio or Tyrod and Darren Waller, Darren Waller, like I met him down at Titan University. He's like legit six, six, like 4% body. He's a absolute yeah, he's a monster. So like that's like a tough like that's a tough matchup. And the other thing is I wonder because Jamin doesn't normally do that if that was a thing that he had to do because Cody was out, right? Um, so like that's something he hasn't got a ton of reps at at least in game that I've seen because he's always the hook player, right? He's kind of mm -hmm. the the guy you know the will linebacker kind of dropping into space. But they, they're like we can't have Mayo run with Waller, Correct. so let's have Jamin do it. Um, and and, and so, that, again, like it's. It's both wrong, but understand like you understand like yeah. he hasn't had that many reps. He's doing it against Waller, but like that's probably the coaching point is like, hey man, you got to squeeze out a little bit more. Like, yeah, it's cool that and, you're running with him, but like, don't give him a throw. And I think that's the thing is like when traditionally what you're trying to do there, like offensively, is what you'll see is guys try to beat you over the top, you know. And teams have gotten away from that beat you over the top mentality to kind of like look like we're trying to beat you and then feather into that spot between the safety. The, the 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 Tampa player and the hook player and that's exactly what they did and I've said this before but this is stuff that gets tossed around in offensive meetings there's no defense for a perfect throw and perfect throw perfect catch and I think you get a little bit of that there obviously you want to be a little tighter but you know like that's a tough matchup it's a tough matchup like if I'm if I'm an offensive play caller I'm like yeah let's throw that right that's that's right. what I want and the same on the so, second touchdown like they yeah. get Jamin one on one with Saquon and like as a defensive Saquon's coordinator, a as a defensive coach, you're like, hey, bro, you got to make that tackle. Yeah, like You tackle. have to. But if I'm Jamin, I'm like, he's Saquon Barkley. Yeah. That's hard yeah. to make that tackle. Yeah. So I like, I, there's only so mad I get at Jamin. But like, ultimately, that's how the Giants no, score their points is they take 100%. advantage of, of Jamin and coverage um, in some spots that are put him in, that put him in, in bad, highly leveraged situations. And the Giants did a good job there. And we talked about it like last year. One of the things that I think was maybe the biggest difference between the Giants last year and this year is they found ways to get Saquon the ball in space like that. Because I don't yeah. think he's a he's a good runner. He's not a great runner in terms of vision. He's exceptional as a playmaker, right? If you categorize him as a playmaker, like he deserves a big contract because that's what he can do. Get him the ball in the flat. I don't think Jamin's even really in bad phase, but like it's just a big, strong, fast, athletic dude in a tough angle on a tackle, and you're like, 
dang. And then you've got, that's what you do as an offensive, as if you're trying to develop an offensive identity, then you go get Darren Waller and like mismatch weapons across the board with linebackers. And, and I think that's what they had there. And, and they were able to exploit them in a way that Daniel Jones was not able to exploit them. And I, and I will say this, like credit to Tyrod Taylor, that offense is drastically different with him at the helm, drastically different much more aggressive pushing the football down the field and you see the result like taking a couple shots to Hyatt taking a couple shots to Waller like I don't know if Daniel Jones makes that throw on the um I think he's physically capable of making it I just don't know if he makes the decision to make it for the touchdown in that Tampa right so um you get just a guy who's a little bit more aggressive guy that's played a ton of football guy that was a good starter when he was in Buffalo for a couple years so um maybe we slept on how on on the tick he would give that offense but yeah like outside of those plays outside of the one to um Hyatt that St. Juice gave up like yeah it, well, it's a good say, did he have two that he gave up yeah the one in the first half and then the one so, like right before pain yeah I don't remember actually uh so the I, second one's the one that gets challenged um and right, Ron loses the challenge right, so I right, think those right. are both on St. Juice but he's I mean he's in pretty good position both and times so, like those are I, great throws and great catches and so I'd say he had the PBU on the touchdown which yep. like was uh, like a third and six going in great PBU there and then I think he had like five or six pass breakups like that I had charted on my sheet like he was awesome just triggering of the football and like you said competitive at the catch point with Hyatt um, like to make a play on some of yeah, those. I mean, he was but, targeted twelve times in the game. He did. A, he did a good job, man. Like he, like when you watch it, like and I know, like it might not feel that way, but he just was in his bag. Like they'd run a little sit, and he is breaking on it. Like that should be a completion, like ten out of ten times, nine out of ten times, and he's getting a hand on it. Not even a pass interference, hand on it, ball down. Like he just did a yeah. great job. And so I know, like he gave up two big plays, but yeah. I just thought his down to down play. I think his PFF grade is like an 82, right? It's like a blue, yeah. if I remember correctly. It's like it's it a is. good it was grade. 80, 81, 7. Yeah, 81, um, 7. 80, 88, 6 in coverage, which is crazy when you give up two big explosives. I mean, the the second one he gives up is not great. Uh, it's a double move. Um, he yeah. gets hit he's on a it. Little he's he's, he's yeah. off balance. Um, but like, but he gets I, but targeted think, 12 times. Like, you're going to give that, something up. That speaks to the point, though, that like his other stuff was really good in yeah. coverage. Like, it was like... I've, I, I've, since I've been covering the team, I've not seen a DB do that. Like, and so maybe that's why I'm so surprised by it. Just his down in and down out consistency was, um, was awesome. Again, outside of those two, two big plays. So, so good for yeah. him. Um, last thing, real quick, Chase. Um, yeah. He is relentless as a pass rusher. And, you know, PFF is rewarding him with very good grades. Um, he is rewarding the team with sacks. But if you start to watch him a little bit more, and I will give credit to, uh, I wish I could give credit to the actual commenter. That would have been smart, Craig. Go look up the guy's name. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the commenter was like, hey, watch watch Chase a little closer. And there are some plays where, like, basically Chase sees it to handoff. He's like, I am good here. Um, yeah. I'm not going to pursue. Like, I'm just, we've, we've, that's not my assignment. And there's even one play in the first half and where I watched it and I like, it seems like he's got a pursuit angle to the football. And like he could go chase down the run backside, that kind of play that he makes sometimes. And yeah. I think he's made in previous it's, weeks. And yeah. Montez makes it all the time. Um, not all the time, but like with with more regularity than many other ends in football because those guys are so freakishly fast. And he just like doesn't pursue it. And I understand that there are times as a pass rusher when you want to save your juice for the big downs. Like I'm I'm not gonna be overly critical of a guy who's like, there is a point oh one chance of me percent chance of me making a play here so i'm just going to save my energy to destroy the tackle in the next play i i really honestly don't have a huge problem with that but when it's like pass downs let me try to get a sack rundowns i'm not that interested 
that's that's going to show up on film, and I think that's going to be brought up this week. And I think it's extra interesting considering Chase after the game is like, I got to set a better example in practice, and whatever you know, whatever he was saying there, it's like, hey man, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk that talk, let's let's walk that walk too. And how about just consistency, practice, game, down in, down out. And if that means you don't play ninety eight percent of the snaps, like take a seat sometimes and then go be one hundred percent productive on one hundred percent of your snaps. Yeah. And, you know, I was, when I as a player, surprise, surprise, I was an extremely high effort guy. Like that was yeah. my thing. And I, I will say there's a lot of guys that I played with who weren't like that. And they, they kind of pick and choose when they're going to go. And, um, and I think he's picked his time and I, and I can't fault him for that necessarily. Cause as a defensive lineman, like that's how you get paid. You get paid off of getting sacks. Right. So, if, he, if he winds up with a 14 sack season, no one's gonna be like, ah, but his run pursuit. Yeah, it was not great. And I think that's something that fans got to remember is like when you're playing defensive end, you're getting paid. And like his pressure rate right now is through the roof. He's got a bunch of sacks. Like he's doing he, – and in that aspect of the game, he's impacting it relatively consistently. I would just say like I think he played, what would you say, 61% of the – 61 snaps? Or 61 like. of 68. Like if I'm him, man, I don't need to play that much. And that's not – like I just think about the best D lines I played against. Like they were like hockey rotations – of guys coming in to give guys blows so that when you're out there, you're like a maniac. And I think it'd be interesting to talk to Chase about whether he's just trying to be on the field for more passing downs and getting get more opportunity that way. But I agree, like effort can always improve. It, it should always be better. But, um, you know, some of the best pass rushers I played against in my career, like OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, um, Paul, when he was up in uh, New York, um, they were kind of chilling on first and second down, and then third down, they just became a bunch of monsters, right? Jared Allen was the same way. Um, Von Miller's got a little bit of that to him. JJ uh, TJ Watt, same kind of thing. Like that, it's it's a thing that guys do in the league, and I know that's not fun for fans to hear, but they know how they make money, and they're going to get paid. And I can't fault a guy for wanting to do that. No, I I totally get it. Um, I just think that there's. Like there's Miles, I, Miles I, I Garrett does it. Like it's like I every, mean, every Miles Garrett had Miles Garrett had six tackles and like was a like what well, he did this weekend monster. was insane. But I'm, what and, I'm saying, guess, like there are like what my point is is like every elite pass rusher that I went against is <laughs> Julius there, Peppers. Yes, yeah, same thing. Like same thing. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. It, I was just gonna say like there is. It doesn't make. I think it right. there are levels. I, well, it's not even about making it right. I think that there are levels, and I think that there is a point where it is probably right, and then there's other points where you're like yeah if we could get a little bit more out of you that would be uh helpful. And, I'm with that. And, I, and i agree and, and i think chase is kind of crossing into that line where you're like hey man like i we know what's up here but like this is taking it to a bit of an extreme and sure. i think the production you know speaks to that where like against atlanta he has zero tackles um he's got three uh this weekend in uh against new york and it's like you're a guy that probably could have a little bit more impact on the game um, with just a little bit more effort on like five percent more plays, and like don't make it so obvious on the other ones that you're you're not really right, for it. right, right. And right. I'm with that. I'm with that. Yep. Yeah, that's our show. Uh, it's a very long show. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. Uh, and I, it, even if it was in a masochist kind of way, talking about the offense for as long as we did. Good gracious. Um, hopefully, they're better this week. Uh, they played Philly well last time. Can they do it again? Uh, we'll preview it coming up later in the week. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe. Hey, look, if you made it this far and you're not subscribed, like clearly, clearly you like it. You've listened to an hour of us talking. Just go ahead and hit the subscribe button, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next time on Taking It.